Hi guys, happy Tuesday and welcome to the eighth episode of Get This Cake podcast. Um, oh my God, I cannot believe we're on episode eight. Like this is so crazy. Um, I hope you guys are having a wonderful start to your week. I know I am. I went ahead to check the analytics of the show uh, right before I started to record and I realized we have a new country of listeners, let's say, from Belgium. Uh, That's super cool. (laughs) So thank you so much to all my international listeners. And of course, thank you to all my listeners here at home in Canada. I appreciate every single one of you. And I say this all the time. I'm going to continue to say it. This would not be the show that it is without you guys. So thank you for all of your support. It is February, so you know what that means. It's officially Black History Month, and I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of Black Girl Magic on you all this week. Um, I think as a podcaster and someone with a platform, it is our duty, and it doesn't matter if you're Black, White, Asian, Latino. I don't think it really matters. If you have a platform, I think you should use it. Um, if you have a voice, speak up and in honor of Black History Month, that's exactly what I wanted to be able to do this week. It's something that I've had always envisioned that naturally just knowing who I am as a person, as an activist, um, who, someone who wants to stand up for my community. I knew that eventually there would be a time that I would speak about race and diversity on this show. And I don't think there's any better time than now for me to do it. I mean, I think every single month should be a Black History Month, but hey. This week, I want to really dig deep, and today's topic is going to be all about microaggressions. Now, some of you might have heard of this term before. Um, some of you have may not have heard it, and I think it's in 2021 a very important thing for us to discuss all of us um black white doesn't matter especially our allies we we really you know as people of color we have been educating white people for 300 plus years and it's exhausting it's exhausting to always have to be the voice um and having our allies stand up for us and be able to educate other non-POC individuals is where we are really going to see um, progress with the Black Lives Matter movement. And literally any time that we hear or witness racial incidents, I mean, there's just no excuse for it, right? So microaggressions is something that has really only been really discussed in psychology in the most recent years. The term actually came from a psychiatrist back in the 1970s. His name was Chester Pierce. Um, and one thing I will just break down, so I'll give you guys the, I guess, the textbook definition of microaggression. So it's a term used for brief and commonplace daily verbal, behavioral, or environmental identities, whether intentional or unintentional, that communicate hostile or derogatory or negative attitudes towards stigmatized or culturally marginalized groups. So that is the textbook definition. Um, And just to kind of help you guys understand a little bit better, um, microaggressions come in all shapes and forms. And most of the time, it may not even be a conscious thing that we could do. 
most of the time it's a subconscious bias that we may not even be aware that we have. And so um, when we talk about racism, when we talk about race, we usually think of like the most right field, like Trump supporter, like, you know what I mean? We're, we're thinking about like to that, that extreme. But racism can come in many different shapes and sizes. I mean, it can be subtle sometimes and it can be within our own group of friends and you may not even realize it, right? So um, I think that's why it is very important to break down microaggressions this week. And it will, I really hope that this episode will help you become a better ally, um, a better friend and a better supporter to POC individuals in your life. And let's break it down. So basically, I'm going to be able to help explain to you guys really like how microaggressions can affect our lives and how as someone who is like comes from multiple different backgrounds, you know, I have experienced these all my life. I don't ever I really hope that by the time I do have kids that I will be able to feel secure that our society will be a safer place because it's it's really like it's really sad to think about the shit that I almost have just accepted to be normal um and and it's it's exhausting it really is exhausting for someone who is a visible minority I know that I am 50% African and 50% white so microaggressions has just become part of my day-to-day life, unfortunately, as sad as that is. And I know I'm not the only one out there. And that's also why I want to shine light on this topic this week. Um, because I've experienced it a lot more recently. And it's... Um, I'm kind of sick of it. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so basically one thing that I really like, uh, admire was the work that has been done by Dr. Gerald Wayne Sue. If you've not heard of him before, he's a psychologist and researcher at Columbia University. And he has done particular studies on the whole topic of microaggressions in his past work. And I quote from him, it is a monumental task to get white people to realize that they are delivering microaggressions because it's scary to them. It assails their self-image of being good, moral, decent human beings to realize that maybe at an unconscious level, they have biased thoughts, attitudes, and feelings that harm people of color. So the reason why I really wanted to quote that from him is because that's just it. It's, it's usually from my experience of direct microaggressions in my life, from people that I'm actually friends with, from family members, from colleagues, uh, from neighbors, is that it's never of ill intent. It's usually of a subconscious action and a moment of being unaware that certain actions and words can have a huge harm to people of color. It can be difficult to have those conversations with our own selves because These topics and these conversations are very uncomfortable and our brain is designed to protect ourselves, right? So that goes for a lot of things that our brain will do things to protect ourselves out of fear. And 
the idea of change isn't something that's usually like a common normal thing for the human body to experience or the human mind, I should say, to experience. You would have to want change in order to experience change. So the idea of physically putting yourself in uncomfortable positions of really unrooting our bias and white guilt to educate ourselves on these topics of sensitivity is something that you will have to actually would want to do. It is not up to black people and black voices to do that for you, right? So when we discuss microaggressions, it is definitely monumental, like Dr. Sue mentions in his past work, um, for our allies to be aware of, right? Um, so he, and, and I've done that, I've done a lot of research in the past of his work. Um, you guys should definitely check him out. Another, there's lots of really great shows, even on Netflix, that help really illustrate how microaggressions affect people of color in our day-to-day lives. Uh, one of my favorites is Dear White People. Um, and that really gives a very complex, um, character development of a storyline. It's, it's, it's a fake storyline from the black perspective, Issa Rae's show Insecure. She also discusses microaggressions in her day-to-day life from gentrification to comments made to her at work. And once again, I think really whether you're black or you're white, exposing yourself to stories and the voices of black people and how these type of things can affect us is one of the really great ways you can start to becoming a better ally to your friends is you know just validating and listening right so uh, like i was saying just saying so looking at his uh this dr sue's work he even breaks down the term microaggression into further subcategories micro assaults micro insults and micro invalidations. So a micro assault is the conscious and intentional actions or slurs. So this one's a little bit more on the stronger side. An example that would be deliberately serving a white group before a black group at a restaurant. So that would be a clear um, example of a micro assault. A micro insult is a verbal and nonverbal communications ability convey rudeness and insensitivity and demean a person's racial heritage or identity. So a really great example of a micro insult would be saying to your colleague at work, hey, how did you even land this job? Which could be perceived that she only got hired to meet HR status quo. So that would be an example of that. Uh, Micro invalidations would be communications that suddenly exclude, negate, or nullify the thoughts, feelings, and experimental reality of a person of color. Example of that is asking someone of color, where are they from? (sighs) Which is so wrong on so many levels. And I definitely would like to share with you guys, like I said, like, for me, for those of you who don't know me, I am I'm a woman of many different backgrounds. Um, and a lot of people who know me do know that. Some people don't. 
No one really ever really knows where I'm from. I have African descent, Irish descent, and Scottish descent, but I was born in Canada, right? And my experience as a person, as an individual, as a POC is is Canadian. My experience of home is Canada. For you to ask me, but where are you really from? It's definitely the biggest microaggression that I receive like at least once a week, <laughs> like if not more. And it really undermines my identity as a Canadian. It really, it's as if you assume that I am a foreigner in my own home. So if you ask somebody where are they from and they say Canada, that should be good enough. Once they you've given once somebody has given you their answer, if you, I mean you really shouldn't ask that anyways, but if you do intend on asking that and they've given you your answer, then to respond with something as insensitive of, "Oh, but where are you really from?" just don't. If someone has responded to you and they say a country, that is their answer. You are not entitled to an explanation of their heritage or their background if they don't want to give it to you, period. Um, so that's like a really big one for me. That was something I can relate to. Um, it's really hard and challenging when I speak about identity as someone, like I said, who comes from multiple different backgrounds. I'm as black as I am white. My last name is Clark. I have freckles in the liver of a sailor, but my skin is so rich with melanin. And baby, I think I've got the best of both worlds. I love where I'm from and I love my heritage. I definitely did struggle with it for a very, very long time though. And I really did struggle with my African identity being raised in a very white community. Um, I didn't really know where I fit in. I wasn't white enough to have the privilege of the white kids, even though my last name was Clark. <laughs> and I wasn't dark enough to, that like I couldn't speak Arabic. So like, Identity has some, has definitely been something I struggled with and being able to claim me is has been my whole life. Like, to claim who I am has been my experience for my whole 24 years. Um, and I think that's why for so long I would experience these microaggressions growing up, but we didn't discuss why it was wrong. We didn't ever discuss why these types of comments are harmful or hurtful. And I definitely another thing that I have experienced is people touching my hair without consent. Like I'm not a pet in zoo. <laughs> Please don't touch my hair. Like I, I understand. I completely understand 
that some days I can have like the curliest afro, other days I can have braids, other days I can have like ponytail extensions in. I, I like, I, I know that my hair is fascinating to you, but I know there's also plenty of white people with curly hair that you wouldn't just randomly go up and touch. So don't think for a second that it's okay to touch mine. Um, yeah, no, don't do that. Also, non-consensual touch is never okay. Just don't do it. Um, this is one that I've also had, <laughs> I've received before. I, I don't know. I don't know what the what it is. I, I've gotten this from guys and girls. I don't know why y'all think it's okay to ever say this to a person of color, but I've definitely received the comment of, you don't sound black or an alternative to that comment is, you sound pretty white for a black girl. This one gets me so mad, y'all. This one has me so fucking mad. Like, what? I had no idea that white had a certain sound. I also had no idea that black had a certain sound. And if you're implying that I may not use slang language, in my everyday vocabulary implies that you believe that black people are not educated. So let me just bring that to the surface because I know a lot of you who say that don't realize how racist that is. That is what the perception of 90% of POC people would feel if you ever said that to them, is that the sound of what you describe as in your mind based on pop culture of what a black person should sound like is because you have an idea of what an educated person sounds like and therefore educated people in your mind based on systematic racism is what a white person would sound like. Now, systematic racism is a topic for a whole nother day, and I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have enough time to talk about that with you guys, but I will definitely touch on that topic in season two. But uh, please don't ever, just don't, just don't ever tell me that I sound white or I don't sound black. Just, just don't do that. I sound the way I sound. I'm Canadian. My name is Janelle. And you quite clearly like my voice because you're listening to my podcast right now. So let's just keep it at that. <laughs> Number four is you're pretty for a black girl or a light skin girl. Um, I shouldn't even have to explain why that one is very wrong to say to a POC, but I will. Uh, so... For a white person to tell me that I am pretty for a black girl implies that a black girl is not pretty. It implies that your Eurocentric beauty standards is the standard definition of pretty. It implies that when I have my straightened hair and not my edges laid and my big hoops in, it implies that my culture is not pretty. It wasn't that long ago in New York State that black people couldn't even try on a hat in a store because our hair was seemed as dirty. So please keep those comments to yourself. Just don't say that someone is pretty for being a black girl or he is pretty for a black guy. Black is beautiful, y'all. 
just don't say that. And I have quite a few friends that are white and you know being half white i have a whole 50 of my dna is white and so with my skin tone and with my melanin i and someone like i said with a podcast and a platform one of the biggest things that i want to also be able to help you guys understand from this episode is how so how can we change this how can we change these behaviors how do we define what a good ally is and i remember in june of 2020 when george floyd died and all y'all were posting those black squares that was performative allyship that wasn't true allyship in fact those black squares were actually very harmful if you guys don't remember they were starting to cancel out on Instagram's algorithm posts that were being made for safety and for research and for access to access to places that protesters could go. Um, there was a lot of posts being sent out of how you could receive funding if you were arrested for the protest using proper hashtags and the black squares totally got rid of a lot of access to that. So, you know, if you want to be a good ally and if you want to be aware of your actions and understand why your actions have, could have a bias to them is one of the things I could say is definitely understand the difference between being an ally and being a friend. You know, just because you hang out with me and just because you are in my life as a friend doesn't make you an ally. Okay. Doesn't make you you know, it's very, to say that you have black friends does not make you an ally. It just doesn't. So the biggest thing you can do to change that is listen to people of color. We have been in our skin since birth. We have had these experiences since the dawn of time when I tell you or if another black person or black identifying person of color is telling you your actions are harmful and not helpful listen to what they have to say not listening to what they say invalidates our experiences, our true life experiences. Validate your black and POC friends of color. There is absolutely no such thing as devil's advocate when it comes to race. There isn't. There's dev devil's advocate for other opinions but when it comes to race, when we are asking to have our life experiences validated, your alternative opinion is invalid. So there is no devil's advocate. Don't try to play devil advocate. You need to go back to step one, repeat step one, and listen. Now let's go back to step two, validate. Next would be number three is to act. If you are in a situation where you hear or see or you're online 
and you witness racism or comments or um you know any of the microaggressions that you might have learned from today's episode you know educate take the time to um expose why those things are harmful don't be a bystander speak up um even if you feel that that could potentially cause a fight with a friend it isn't going to cause a fight with a friend it's going to help your friend you know like i said guys these are not comfortable conversations but when we start to have them more and more, they will be more comfortable. Understanding our unconscious biases, if we can all work together to bring them to light and want to change as a society, they won't be considered taboo topics anymore. So let's not make them taboo, let's act. Support black businesses in your community. Support diversity. Diversify your friend group. Could be the easiest thing you could do. (laughs) Support black creators. You know, there's other ways you can definitely make an effort. Obviously, like when I say act, it doesn't always have to be uh, financial uh, aid, like, you know, being able to donate to black organizations, uh, black youth, um, you know, black women of color and Black Lives Matter protests. It doesn't have to be something financial. It can be just even the simple things of self-education and educating people around you. So, I really hope that this episode has been able to shine light on your own personal bias. I really hope that you could share this with your friends, share this with your family, start a conversation in your own friend group, start a conversation in your own household, um, how you can support and be a better ally, not a friend, be a better ally to the black people in your life and in your community. And yeah, so thank you so much, guys. Thank you for always tuning in every week. I appreciate every single one of you. And he's a little bit of black girl magic to get Black History Month started. And remember, you can always have your cake and you can eat it too.